If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot. Oh my. It's just another night for supernatural girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host, all the way from Tucson, Patricia Kirkman. PK, how are you tonight? Absolutely fabulous. We had a cold spell today. I think it was in its early 50s. Wow, that is a little chilly for Tucson. (laughs) Yeah, but it's supposed to warm up in a couple of days, so I'm waiting (laughs) <laughs> you know how I am. I can't stand cold. <laughs> I know. I know. I thought it would keep me warmer. Well, as you know, we are in the depths of winter here in New England, but that's okay. It's to be expected. Oh. And we haven't had, uh, we just had that one big storm where we got about a foot and a half of snow. And after that, it got warm and it rained, and now we have no snow. It's very strange. Well, it's strange because of what they were talking about today, what's coming up from the lower part of the United States heading your direction does not look like fun. No, it doesn't. Well, let's hope it stays away from us. But, yeah, because today is December 30th, oh, December. 2020. We're at the end of the year. I know it. I, a lot of That's people happy why. about that. <laughs> oh, God. Thank God it's the end of this year. This year, it, I will just call it a little stinko crazy. It was crazy, and who knows what's coming next. As you know, we heard from Captain Kramer. It looks like it's not over yet, so Definitely we will have to yet. see. Goodness We've got to me. But more weeks before we decide what's going to be real and what isn't real. Yeah. That's but it's coming it like, out. A, like a freight train. You're right. Something is coming. We can all feel it, can't we? Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. There's no, there's nothing that feels normal or comfortable right now. It's like yeah, it's like walk right. you know, the old days. Walking the plank of the on the ship of the uh, captains at sea. Oh no, no, we're on land, but we're still going to be walking a plank. We're still walking the plank. Oh goodness. Well, tell us what's going on with the numbers. What are we up for now? Going well, forward from December thirtieth. This is the end of the year. I wanted to talk a little bit about something called people to remember. Affirmations are just common sense that assist us in making life changes. 
because with everything that's going on in this world, we definitely need to make some changes. So it's a perfect time to use affirmations as a tool to help you build your self-esteem so you can think more positively about yourself, but most importantly, making the change that you feel are important to you. And I'm taking a look at some of the things myself with affirmations that give us the ability to think not only positively about ourselves, but how do they work? And they do work. Who better to assist us in building what we want for ourselves than what we ourselves have learned? We have to be our own cheering sections now because changes that are going to happen, they're ready to go, but we're not quite ready for them yet. We need to begin to feel more positive about how things work but can be surprised at the end results. So don't be afraid to start working on this because, you know, we've got one day more and then we're going to be in the new year. So start making changes that will take place. You need to think more about what's important to you and make these changes in a positive way that are going to give you the ability to go forward. Don't be surprised at the changes that come up real quickly because if you think about it, we're going into a five-year. The year is going to be all about change, good to bad, bad to good. But there is a luck factor that goes with it. So starting January, we start out with wanting things to be perfect, but we've got to allow ourselves the opportunity to think in a way that we have not been able to this year. This year up until this point in time has been through fear, Uh, People have been taking flyers on things that they don't even feel comfortable with because it's out of fear. Take a look at what's important to you. Make a list of the things that make you feel good and start working on those because within the next two months, you're going to be surprised at how some of these things are going to turn around. It's kind of like sleight of hand. The uh, magician gets out there and he waves his wand. What we think we're seeing is not what we're going to get. So just be ready to make and shift with what's taking place. That way you'll be safe and in good positioning. Just a little good thought. Good advice. Well, that's the best well, thank good you. what we've worked with this year, I tell you. This year yeah. has been a bugger. <laughs> it hasn't been something else. <laughs> so anyway, that's great. PK, and thank you for that good advice. And one little caveat I want to give with affirmations, and since I did counseling for so many years, and affirmations mm-hmm. one of the tools we all use, when you write down your affirmations, my suggestion is this. Write them down on the right hand, I mean the left-hand side of the page and pick one and do it repetitively for the whole page. For example, I am filled with grace. And then on the right-hand side of the page, write whatever comes to your mind. Usually it's negative. Because you want to unpack it on paper. If you don't unpack your unconscious on paper, that energy is going to probably come out in your checkbook or in your relationships in a negative way. So you want to take a look at whatever you're harboring in your unconscious, and usually that's right below the surface. So Mm -hmm. that would be my recommendation on how you do that so that you're, you're not haunted by some of this negative energy. But you get to see it right in front of you. Here it is. This is what I, I was thinking as I was doing the affirmation. These thoughts came up. And don't judge them. It's just, it is what it is. It's there. You want to expose it, bring it to the light. So anyhow, that's my two cents on that's affirmations. So very good I wanted, information. 
with. Yeah, because if that we pay attention, we're going to be dealing with a lot of change. And I hate to add this because we're going to see it happening. When we go through different things, we've all been fenced in, pushed down, stayed at home, etc. Watch the birth rate go up like crazy. Oh, Just thought geez. I'd throw that in there, too. <laughs> right. My gosh. God help us. So, <laughs> no. Uh, Go ahead about the new year. I said this happened a few years ago as well. And so remember that if you're naming a child that you're going to be having during this pandemic, be nice. Don't give it a name that's going to mark it for life. (laughs) Something weird, right? Stay away from the weird with names. That's right. His his own be made fun of for their names. (laughs) Well, I, I do have two two things to share with everybody tonight, and, and these are kind of cool. One of them is there's an article in the New York Post newspaper, and what it references is that the COVID-19 bill actually kicks off a 180-day countdown for UFO disclosures. Now, this was sent to me by a friend of mine out in L.A., Jim Breckowski. Thank you, Jim. This was a good find. And apparently... This provision has received very little attention because, of course, this uh, this thing is over 5,593 pages long, but it actually directs the Director of National Intelligence in consultation with the Secretary of Defense and the heads of such other agencies to submit a report within 180 days of the date of enactment of the Act to the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committees on unidentified aerial phenomena. Now, you know if you've been listening to the show, we've been talking about the big PR campaign that is renaming UFOs UAPs. So here we are. And it says that the report must address observed airborne objects that have not been identified and should include a detailed analysis of unidentified phenomena data collected by geospatial intelligence, signals intelligence, human intelligence, and measurement and signals intelligence. So it goes on from there. It's on our Facebook page, everybody. So please go take a look at this. Who knows? In 180 days, we might actually get that report, which would be right in line with a lot of what has been predicted by our guest, William Stickevers, and also Captain Kramer, that a lot of this stuff is just going to be coming out finally. So... Well, we also know that we're going into a year of major change. And yes, there's that no was... stopping. It's like pedal to the metal. Everything is going to go fast and furious, and it's going to be happening quicker than people can question it. And so wow. it's going to be a different perspective of things. Where before, well, let me think about it. I'll talk to you next week. We're not going to have time for that. It's going to hit that fast. Yeah, that makes sense. The way everything's going, that makes a lot of sense. And then there's another one I wanted to share with you, and this is on a totally different topic. And this comes from Greg Braden, which you probably know who he is. He is a New York Times bestselling author, and he has written a lot about healing and consciousness. And he was giving a presentation about heart transplants. And as I'm sure everybody has heard, there has been a lot of anecdotal information that when people receive someone else's heart, they often start craving certain foods that the other person liked and wanting mm-hmm. to do certain things that the other person did. 
So in the past, scientists and doctors just wrote this off as anecdotal. Now something has changed that game. And what happened was there was an 8-year-old little girl who needed a heart. And she received a heart from a 10-year-old little girl. Surgery went fine as she was recovering. She kept having the same dream every night. And she told her mother about it. The mother told the cardiologist about it. And the cardiologist said, hey, look, this is not just a dream. There's something more happening here. Luckily, he had enough sense to know that. So he said, you've got to talk to someone else. You've got to talk to a psychiatrist. Well, the psychiatrist was so intrigued by what he was hearing about this event that he ended up calling in a forensic artist. And this artist drew exactly what this girl described. And here's what she described. Every night, same dream. She is running through the woods, and a big man is chasing her. She trips. She falls. The man ends up on top of her, looks her right in the face, and makes a statement to her, and then he kills her. So the artist drew this person, as it turned out, the 10-year-old little girl had been murdered, and they sent out an APB with this man's face drawn under the direction of the 8-year-old heart recipient. They caught this guy, and when they brought him in, he confessed, and he also said exactly the words that this eight-year-old little girl recounted from her dream. He is in prison today. Now, thank after, God. It's, yes, thank God is right. But here's the thing that's so fascinating about all of this, which Mr. Braden brought up. The heart has its own brain. The heart has its own memory. And that's what was giving this eight-year-old little girl all of the detailed information about how this 10-year-old little girl had died. Just amazing. I mean, we really need to pay attention to our hearts. That's where we need to focus our energy. It is a brilliance there that we often ignore because we live so much in our heads. But here's some excellent proof of what's in there and, and what we have to mine in order to come to alignment. The scary so part the... is, when you're looking at that, that this could live like that, how many times have people had a heart transplant and had things happening to them and not realized that it was a connection to the person that they received the heart from? Yes. Well, now they know. He said now this is no longer considered anecdotal information. It is considered verifiable research that this is what is happening. But the reason is because of the type of neural links in the heart and how similar they are to the neural links in the brain. So it's great information, and Greg is a a wonderful presenter. If you ever want to listen to any of his work, it's on YouTube for free. You can listen to him. I hope to get him on the show at some point. He's, he's a great speaker and, and very knowledgeable about all of these things, especially around healing. So I just wanted to share that with everybody because it's, it has, in a way, it's bittersweet, but it does have a happy ending in that 
expected to achieve some resolution. So, anyway, so let's... Yes. So let's get to our wonderful guest tonight. We've got a terrific guest, as usual. Uh, we, we do have, have a great guest. guest. We do. And we have Natalie Fowler. Now, she is the author of The Spirit's Way Home. And we're going to hear some very interesting supernatural stories from Natalie. She is a psychic medium, a paranormal investigator, an author, and a former lawyer. So she has worked with a variety of spirits, from children who did not know they had passed to adults who died in sudden, tragic accidents, and she has helped them find their way home. And she's with us tonight. So, Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. Well, we've got to start at the beginning with you. (laughs) How did all this happen in your life where you ended up in as a psychic medium and from a lawyer no, no, oh my god what a that is a disparity right there so how did this well, get yeah. started for you well it happened very gradually it certainly did not happen overnight that's for sure um you know it all began i guess back when i was a little girl i was very fascinated by ghost stories um and i just had this this fascination with ghost stories and i was the kid at the campfire who couldn't get enough of that they I just I just always wanted to hear about them I was curious about why they were stuck I just wanted to know more and it wasn't that I was particularly brave or anything I just really wanted to know their stories and understand more about what that was and um, you know as I my life took a very practical route I went on to college and law school and in law school I was surrounded by all these very logical rational concrete thinkers And, uh, you know, but I'm also a very creative person and that, that creative part of me was a little bit squashed during law school because you're writing what what you're supposed to write and you're proving things with facts and law and all those things. And when I got out of law school, I had this idea, I had a really long commute for one of my jobs out of law school. And in that idea, I thought it would be really interesting to take a character a fictional character who's trained to think logically and rationally like a lawyer and then give her something completely irrational to deal with like a ghost and in this way kind of blend together those two worlds um, because even at that point I was still I always had this curiosity about ghosts and I was always looking for a ghost story that would satisfy that and I never could find it you always hear ghost stories that are told from the perspective of how scary it is to have a ghost in your house or or to see a ghost, and I always thought it would be equally scary to be the ghost. So I really wanted to write that perspective. And in that uh, in that world, I just was able to explore and tap into some of those creative ideas. And um, then I ended up in publishing. I, I actually made a terrible lawyer, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I I liked the research writing and the that piece of it, but I was a huge empath, and I didn't know that at the time, of course, because back then we weren't all talking about being an empath or anything. And no, uh, oh no, <laughs> I uh, was uh, just I would get so overwhelmed by the energy of that confrontation and the anger that I just I did much better behind a desk with stacks of law books and papers and writing things than I ever did going to court and arguing for my clients or talking to angry attorneys on the phone. So 
I found my way into publishing through that, and and that offered me an opportunity to kind of explore some of my creative fiction too on the side, and and it gave me a chance to blend those ideas together in a way that I hadn't otherwise. So um, fast forward a few years from that, and I had written a couple of paranormal mysteries in a series that I was really excited about, kind of telling that ghost perspective and. In that, I, uh, I ended up signing with a literary agent and starting to get my name out there to try to sell these fictional books that I'd written. And as part of that, I met a friend, a dear friend of mine who I've gone on to co-author books with. Her name is Jessica Freeberg, and she had started a ghost hunting group uh, that specifically was for creative types who wanted to go um, it's called Ghost Stories, Inc., and we often go to – we do a lot of workshops and things like that with the idea that if you're going to be writing about scary things, go put yourself in that position so you know what it feels like to sit in a dark, haunted place. <laughs> and it allows your writing to reach kind of a deeper level. So they had asked me to go along with their group, and I was terrified, actually. I didn't know – I hear I'd been writing about ghosts for several years at that point, but I didn't know if I really wanted to go shake one out of an attic. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, really. but I went, <laughs> I went along and I was also terrified of looking uh, stupid on camera. They were filming for one of the documentaries that they were working on. And so I did what I do best. And that's, I went to the library and I researched the heck out of the places we were going to be investigating. And, and uh, it ended up, just mostly in the name of having something to talk about so that I didn't look silly showing up with this group of really experienced investigators. And uh, the rest is kind of history after that. I was, it, it went well, and I was able to offer a lot of background research on the property we were investigating. And they asked me to join the group and be their research historian, and, which I gladly did. I, it was a lot of fun to go traipsing around in these places and digging into some of that historical past. And, um, but as I was with the group going off and investigating these haunted properties, I realized that I was seeing and sensing and feeling a lot more than anybody else was. And that was about the time some of my own gifts started to wake up and I decided I better figure out what to do with that. So now, let me ask you a question thinking, about uh, yeah. this, because you're, as you're saying, you have a little bit of a different story than most of the psychic meetings <laughs> that we've had on the show. Yeah. Most of them talk about, you know, since whatever, infancy or the time there were two or three or four, they've had these experiences. But is this intergenerational for you? I mean, your mother, your father, your grandparents, anybody have these gifts besides you? Oh, yes. Um, and that's actually kind of what saved me through this. My my mother's mother had a story that had kind of trickled down through the years. Um, you know, I was raised Catholic, so that that faith, at least that faith, although it's it's very religious and there's a lot of um, uh, ideas about whether you should be going into haunted houses and that sort of thing, but it does add a mystical element to the faith that I really actually appreciated that. And the story that had been passed down from my grandmother was that the day that her first husband was killed in World War II, she'd had a horrible day and was able to look back after she got the telegram telling her that her first husband was killed um, she was able to look back at the day and realize that was the day that she knew he had died, even though she didn't know that he had died, and she wasn't able mm-hmm. to quite explain how. The, how. And right. then 
um, when my grandfather died, he had a heart attack and he, my grandmother went to see him in the hospital and she, uh, he held up three fingers, meaning that they had tried to start his heart three times. And then he passed away shortly after that. And she said, I know I felt it. (laughs) And so that was just a story that had survived kind of through to me. And I always kind of clung on to that as an explanation that there was something else out there. And, you know, when I was a little girl, I was just constantly told I, I had an imaginary friend. And at one point when I was a little bit older, I was terrified of a dark shadow in the corner of my room. And when I would talk to anybody about it, they would just tell me over and over again, there's no such thing as ghosts. It's just your imagination. And so I start to believe that. Um, But even though I was being told that, I still knew that something was out there that I needed to better explain. And it kept me kind of going through all of that. So, And then my mother has a lot of healing gifts of her own as well. Um, she now actually is a Reiki master and has gone to gone through holistic uh, uh, has her master's in a holistic health program and she does energy work and that sort of thing. So now it's we've both reached a different stage where we can talk about these things. And what's funny is that when I was doing some of the research for my ghost books back when I was writing fiction and I was reading all the stories about the little kids that could see ghosts. I would go who had imaginary friends and I would go to her and I would ask, you know, I had an imaginary friend. Did you, do you, you know, do you think that could have been a ghost? And she would always say, no, no, no. And then finally last year, the last couple of years, I actually got her to admit that she and my grandmother had a conversation that I was probably playing with a ghost, but they didn't know what to do about it. So they just pretended it wasn't happening. (laughs) (laughs) That is so typical, isn't it? But you Definitely. found your way to this anyways, and, and yes, so then and you you went past your historical uh, <laughs> stuff, and you started actually experiencing your own psychic mediumship. When was the first time that you actually were able to communicate with the dearly departed? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I've certainly seen plenty of ghosts, but as, you know, as we're out there in these in these situations where we're feeling the energy, I just realized that when we were, in, we were out on a paranormal investigation, I was getting a lot of feelings and um, insight that would help kind of direct the conversations or the, the EVP sessions that we were having or whatever it is we were asking. And, and you're just kind of learning all of this with a group of people because, you know, that's one of the first things we teach people on a paranormal investigation is that your body is actually your biggest tool you can feel when the temperature is dropping. You can sense when something else is there. So tune into those energies. So really closing off the lights and, and doing a, you know, our workshops really opened the door for me to be able to tap into some of these gifts um, for myself and just start to, they've, they're, they're also very subtle that I think that a lot of the time we're going through life not realizing that we are using our intuition in certain ways that maybe we just haven't identified it as such at that point. And, yeah, you know, well, it makes sense. It's not something that, until recently anyways, has been readily accepted. This has been a, a big shift and a, a wave yeah. of interest in the paranormal, which we hear is going to just keep getting bigger and bigger. So mm-hmm. when you encounter these ghosts now, because you do uh, <laughs> readings for people and you help yeah. people 
actually that have passed find their transition point and tell us about some of those stories i mean some of the most sure. fascinating or the frightening most frightening or whatever you'd like to share because then they've got a lot of stories to share with us yeah so you know a lot of this i came from a place where i have this very logical rational brain so a lot of the times when i was first starting to tap into these gifts a lot of the work that i was doing was to make sure i wasn't making this stuff up and and have some way to kind of prove to myself that this was really happening and the way that my gifts work specifically, and, and anyone who has intuitive gifts will tell you that everybody's gifts work just a little bit differently, and so that's part of the challenge is figuring out how your gifts work. And the way my gifts work is that a lot of times whenever I'm sensing an energy that needs help, um, I my clear cognizance is one of my strongest gifts, and that's the, the, the psychic gift where you just know because you know. So it just it's that gut feeling. It's you feel it in your body, and, and I started to discern that that information was coming from a different place than my brain. I was feeling the answer. I was feeling um, the, the right way to go, and, and as I developed that more, it kind of evolved to a different level in that now when I tap into a house that's haunted or an energy or an entity that needs help, um, oftentimes I'll get a whole download of information all at once, so it's not necessarily like I'm seeing a movie play out or hearing a voice tell me what to do. I just get the whole story at once, and a lot of times that story comes with whatever that ghost needs to hear in order to move on. And so that's really how things started to happen. Um, a lot of I, in the beginning, I was getting woken up a lot in the middle of the night. I would wake mm-hmm. up at that witching hour of three three a.m. and not be able to get back to sleep and. And, um, you know, that's when I, in my mind's eye, I would get these images of souls that needed help or whatever the case was. And one of the first times it happened, it was the first time it was somebody that I didn't know. Um, My group, Ghost Stories, Inc., had been doing an investigation at a local college for a writer's program. They wanted us as their entertainment to take them on a ghost hunt of this notoriously haunted campus. So we were out there doing um, our, you know, our pre-investigation. Jessica and I realized that there was one of these rooms that we were going to investigate that had some darker energy, and we both felt that it might have been a suicide of some kind. And so then we decided, you know, this wasn't necessarily the group where we should go there. We wanted to keep it more of a happier, lighter vibe. And so we had chosen to investigate in a different part of the building that we were in. And during that investigation, I could just feel this darkness and this darker energy come in. And we had been talking about, um, you know, the, I think we had been talking about the energy we had picked up on and how it was probably a suicide. And we started talking about how, you know, you don't need to, feel guilty for that and you don't need to stay somewhere everyone deserves to go to heaven even if you've taken your own life and and I just felt this curiosity and then you know the night went on and we switched topics into something else and that about two days later I woke up in the middle of the night at three in the morning and there was an image of a of a young man and he had the just complete 70s look um, he had the cool leather jacket and the bell-bottom pants and just the the big hair. And he he 
all he said to me was, can I have a stairway to heaven like a song? And I, of course, was just shocked. I wasn't, you know, ready for this to happen. And all I said, I remember saying back to him, you can go to heaven however you want. And as I said the words, a stairway dropped out of the sky, and this kid started walking up the stairs, and the music was playing in the background, and it's a really long song. So it took a really (laughs) long time. (laughs) But he just went up the stairs slowly, and he went off on his way, and I just thought, you know, that was really weird, and and you kind of are talking yourself out of it. And, you know, I I tried not to judge it too much. And then as I went on um, about my life, a few weeks later, I do a lot of events and work up at the Palmer House Hotel in Stock Center, Minnesota. It's a hotel that's very haunted and it's been featured on a lot of the ghost shows. It's been on um, Ghost Adventures a few times. And most recently it was on the Dead Files and, and um, you know, I've gotten to know everyone there very well and I sometimes joke that I'm one of their other cleaning ladies (laughs) because it is a very haunted place and they are working but it's also a place where you can go and learn safely about the paranormal so we work hard to make sure that that there aren't other energies there that aren't supposed to be and um, there's actually a ghost in the kitchen there at the Palmer house And whenever something's wrong in her space in the kitchen, she'll shove the mixing bowls off the top of the fridge in the the kitchen, and it'll make this huge clattering noise. And so that had happened. I think this was probably the first time that had happened. And then there were two waitresses there who don't ever talk about anything paranormal, and one of them reported seeing a black shadow pacing back and forth in front of the oven. And when that happened... Um, Kelly, the owner, she gave me a call and she said, would you please check in and see what's going on in my kitchen? The mixing bowls went flying off the fridge and this waitress who never admits to seeing anything paranormal had talked about seeing something. She's like, I think you better check in and see what's going on. So I did a remote check-in and I tuned into the space and I imagined myself walking in through the kitchen and there was a a young man there and he was pacing back and forth in front of the stove. And I got an instant download of information and he has, he was really, really upset that he had died. And the download that came with the story was that one of the reasons he was upset was because he had gotten himself killed. I, I had a sense that it was a, a ATV accident of some kind and alcohol had been involved and he was really mad at himself for getting killed because his girlfriend or fiance at the time was expecting their baby. And he was really upset that he had gone and done this. And now she was going to be left to take care of this baby by herself. And so I'm having this conversation with him and I asked him, I said, well, what, you know, how are you going to help her from the kitchen of the Palmer house? And, and in my in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I'm cross-examining a ghost <laughs> into getting him to go where he wanted to go or where he should go. And and I thought this is really ridiculous. You got to use your lawyer skills. <laughs> I did, and I don't know that I'm going to be adding it to the alumni update anytime soon. But it was um, <laughs> it was I, I realized that I was asking this ghost questions the same way I would have asked a lawyer or a witness on the stand as a lawyer and. Mm-hmm. So through the course of our conversation, um, you know, it, he, he was 
he was really upset that he died and, and he, but he started to listen to me and I explained, I said, you know, if you go to where you're supposed to go, then you will, um, then you, you'll be able to come back at a higher vibration and help her out better than you will from the kitchen of the Palmer house. And he started to listen a little bit. And then I just kept going with the questions and I said, well, I had one guy that wanted to go to heaven on a stairway like the song. Do you want a stairway to heaven like the song? And he stopped pacing for the first time and he looked at me and he says, that's stupid. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, well, that actually helped me validate the stairway to heaven story because I knew that if I had been making it up, it would have worked the same way both times on my suggestion. And here he was disagreeing with me and he was calling it stupid. So, um, so I asked him, I said, you know, I had, then I got a download, you know, the, the next question I asked was if he, I assumed that since he probably died on a snowmobile, I asked him if he wanted to go to heaven on a snowmobile. And instead I got an image in my head of a really beautiful Harley Davidson motorcycle. <laughs> so I said, wow. you want to go to heaven on a Harley? <laughs> and that. Huh. <laughs> He said, yes, and I said, okay, you can do that, but you have to actually drive it there, and when you get there, you can keep it, and just to be safe, I'm sending one of my guides along to make sure you go to the right place. So That is so off. interesting. So, yeah, they choose it, their own mode of transportation. <laughs> let's go back to something you said, that everybody deserves to go to heaven, and you mentioned in specifically people who take their own lives, and I know, PK, you and I have talked about this, that certainly – that's true, they do. However, the question becomes, you know, when someone has made some really horrific choices in their lives and they have hurt other people significantly, what about them? Yes. I think that they have a lot of work to do when they get there. <laughs> um, and what form you know, does that I, take? Because I that's, that, I mean, when people go to heaven, it's like, you know, supposedly – they are in a place that is absolutely beautiful, and they're surrounded by love. But the people that have made other choices yes. that are, again, terrible and have been so I hurtful have, to so many others, then what? I won't go so far to say that there are different layers to heaven, but I think that the intake process for those people is a lot longer. I think that um, I'm really diving into some some um, past life research now and reading all the books I can about past lives and, and how do we come back and reincarnate. And um, I think that, that there's a lot out there about the in-between lives and what I'm finding in, and what I'm, what I know from my experience, I don't do a whole lot of work with the souls after they get to where they're supposed to be. I kind of pass them on to, to someone else for help with that. But um I think that there's just a bigger intake process. I know that I, you do a review of your life when you get to heaven, and based on that, you get to break down what went right, what didn't work, and what do I need to learn from now in, in my next time around, and how does, that, how does that work, and what does that look like, and what are the things that I, I could have done better? Because, you know, we're here in these human bodies and we have free will choice at every turn. So we're supposed to be learning our lessons that we signed up to learn in this life. But, but I think um, free will choice can get in the way of that very easily. And sometimes we choose not to do the work that we're supposed well, to be doing. But again, you know, if somebody 
well, I'll give you an example. I know we've had contact with people from the other side. I know one of them in particular was a, a diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. She passed, and mm-hmm. when we went to contact her, she was uh, basically confined. She was surrounded by two very large spirits. It wouldn't let her to travel easily. As you know, a lot of these spirits can move easily from one place to another. Yeah. Not her. She was not allowed. And so it it gave a lot of information. First of all, when people pass, it doesn't mean all of a sudden the magic wand is waved and they're free of some of what they yeah. had to deal with here. So there's no, that. I think and you still have just to think how horrible yeah. it would be, though, if someone like that was allowed free reign from that dimension to this one. It, it could be catastrophic. So it made sense that someone like that would be contained and not be allowed to travel freely anywhere. Absolutely. And that actually fits with some experience that I have doing readings for others in that, um, you know, I, I, I will always explain to people that I work a little bit differently when I'm using my mediumship gifts rather than working with um, just the getting guidance from your guides and angels. And Mm -hmm. um, sometimes my guides have to go track them down and give me the information that they aren't available to talk right now. So, um, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that, that you don't just get, you get to, go to the higher vibration but depending on what the choices the choices that you made in this life sometimes there's a lot more work to do when you get there than others is there hell have you ever encountered that that people are in their their either a hell of their own making or an actual hell i would say pass? any hell or purgatory or things of that nature is of people's own making and that uh is also some of the stories that i've encountered um people who don't believe that they're good enough to go to heaven because they didn't check off all the boxes that they were told they were supposed to do in this life, choose not to go because they don't think that they're good enough to be there. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I think then that turns into kind of a created purgatory of sorts. Natalie, Uh, do you find that uh, the – Guides, well, I'll call them guides, the spirits, what their effect that they have on youngsters. I had a client today that I spoke with, and she has a five-year-old that keeps, all of a sudden, is now starting to see people around or feel people around. And he's getting very, very fearful of what he's feeling. And she doesn't know quite how to handle it. I think that there are a lot of layers to that. I believe you you talked earlier in the beginning of the show about some of these energies that are shifting, and I think that, you know, um, the energies are shifting so that the veil is actually a lot thinner now than it ever used to be, which means that it's easier to see through some of this. It's why a lot of us are waking up to gifts that never um, really acknowledged them before. Um I also believe, and I know this from my own children, a lot of my own learning has been about trying to stay a little bit ahead of my own children. And my my three children are very psychic and gifted and sensitive. And I think, and a lot of my clients have psychically sensitive children, and I really think that we're watching evolution happen before our eyes. I think a lot of kids these days are being born with gifts that that, um, we've never seen before. And it's happening at an exponential rate. Yeah, so the, I think that part of it is... The difficult is, for her to deal with right now is this youngster 
now seeing this image, feeling this image, and she lost a child about four years ago. Yeah. And I feel this is the child coming back from what I'm picking up from them. Okay. That, the child and, and I think, though, there's a difference between the ghost energy, which is that heavier, denser energy, which is something a, a part of your soul that's trapped here in the earth energy that didn't go to wherever it was supposed to go, and also a higher vibration spirit energy, which is our loved ones coming back from the other side to visit us. Um, and, and so there's a way to we need to start discerning between what's the heavier stuck energy versus the higher vibration helper energy. Um, mm-hmm. So that can be something that's really confusing for a child that's trying to figure this out too. And, you know, this is actually very similar to one of my own personal experiences with my son. He, when he was five years old, he used to wake up in the middle of the night telling me there were voices in his head telling him to do stuff he didn't want to do. And I didn't know that I was this psychic at the time, but I did mama bear the heck out of that. And I said, no, that's not going to happen on my watch. And um, I happened to be reading a meditation book by James Von Prague. And in it, there was an exercise about bubbling your energy field and keeping yourself safe. And so I started to adapt that for him and with him. And we would do that every night before we went to bed. I would help him imagine a bubble going around his face. And I actually used Violet from the Incredibles movie as my example because it was such a perfect visual. She's a a character from a Disney movie that has this ability to throw up a force field bubble and be invisible whenever she wants to be. And I believe we all have that ability. Um, We learn about our physical human bodies in science and health class going to school, but nobody ever teaches us that we also have an energetic, etheric body that we also need to keep safe. So we would talk through this visualization of putting his bubble up we would imagine a vacuum cleaner coming down and sucking out anything black or icky or negative from his day. And mm-hmm. we would take that and, and hand it off to his guardian angel and ask that it, was, it would recycle into something better. It's really important not to dump that psychic garbage out on the street for the next five-year-old empath to walk through. And um, we would clear his bubble and get him all situated for the night. And as we started doing this, the voice would stop. And part of this was me empowering him to take control of his own field and his own energy space. But I was also doing energy work for him, and I didn't even know it <laughs> at the time. And to this day, he actually still uses that technique. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years, and he's a huge empath. So he's constantly, as a child, he was constantly picking things up from other kids on the playground and just coming home with all these emotions that weren't even his. And, and I would talk him through it and I would ask did you have your bubble up at recess and I would say and he would say no and I would say okay then it's your own fault you feel this way you know that you're sensitive to other people's energy so let's learn how to block it out so that you're not picking up everyone else's stuff and um, that worked for him and fast forward a few more years and a couple of years ago we went up north to a lake for a long weekend and we had rented this motel and as we were motel room and as we were driving into town I just felt like the this really heavy energy and a lot of times when I travel I'll get woken up in the middle of the night from energies that need help or whatever that is and I thought for sure I went to bed that night thinking there's no way I'm going to sleep all night something's going to wake me up and need help and the next morning I woke up at 8 30 and I was sitting there thinking okay you know I was wrong I'm glad I was wrong I guess nothing needed my help and my then now he was you know he was 14 now at the time and he came into our room and 
he had been sleeping on a pull-out couch right outside our bedroom, and he he came into my room, and he said, Mom, at 3 in the morning, a dead guy was staring at me. And I said, oh, my goodness, what did you do? And he said, well, <laughs> he said, I just, oh, God. just made sure my own bubble was tight, and then I wrapped him up in a bubble of his own, and I sent him off to heaven. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, <laughs> like, my work as your mother is done. I wish somebody had told me how to do that when I was 14 years old. <laughs> my life Definitely. would have been a lot easier. <laughs> it's right. Good advice. Well, now, yeah. when you're talking about protection also, uh, what do you do or have you ever encountered something so negative that you got really concerned? Because there are, as we know, and you've mentioned this in, several times, that the veil's getting thinner we know that's getting thinner. In fact, everybody should go to the Facebook page and take a look at the latest trail cam <laughs> photos that we got, and you'll see some that's very right. interesting things there. <laughs> and so, anyways, but but it is getting thinner, and more things are coming through. Some of them may not be friendly. Some of yeah. them could even be a demonic energy, which is unfortunately quite powerful. So, what do you do with that? Because that's a whole different breed of cat. <laughs> it is the very first thing that I do is I make sure that my own energy field is locked in tight. So, you know, I actually use an upgraded version of a bubble. Mine's a lot more geometric now, and it kind of locks into space, into place whenever I need that. And um, I use Archangel Michael a lot. He'll come stand at the door. And the other, the other powerful piece of this is my intent. I am only working in the greatest and highest good, and I believe that my guides will only bring me things that I can handle. So I trust in, innately that if something I if I encounter something, it's because I'm supposed to be able to help it or do something with it or clear that energy space. And so I believe in my own ability to do that. Um, and and uh, I just so you yeah, haven't encountered with, anything that's that's that terrifying or or that um subversive so that's oh good. no i have <laughs> so no, you have so what tell book, us what happened actually okay so there was um one time i was doing an investigation up at the palmer house and now with all of this equipment that we have we're actually able to measure paranormal activity in a really cool way that we've never seen before and my team was working with an sls camera and i'm not sure if you're familiar with that but it's technology that was developed from gaming equipment where this um, technology will actually pick up points on a body and map it in. And so it's a, it's a special camera that allowed gamers to be able to play video games without holding a remote control. And what they found was that sometimes these gamers would leave the room and they would come back and something was actually mapped in playing their game for them. And so they took these uh, cameras and equipment and adapted it into a ghost hunting tool, which is often where most of the ghost hunting tools come from, um, adaptations from other things. And so we were working with an SLS camera, and I was with a group, and we were in one of the rooms at the Palmer House Hotel, and um, we had had this image that mapped in on the SLS camera, and it it was intelligent enough, but it didn't seem of this world, and it just it felt very negative. And as it mapped in, it, we could see this image coming down, and it it was doing some really nasty things on my head that I won't repeat. <laughs> so it was making all these gestures behind me, and I said I I was very careful to keep my voice 
light and happy um, because the last thing you want to do is invoke fear because that's something fear is something these energies can actually feed off and get stronger. So I was keeping everything very light and happy and I didn't want to startle or make anyone in my group afraid. So I just said out loud, you need to treat me like a lady. And if you don't treat me like a lady, you're not allowed to be in my space. And as this thing came down, it was still doing these nasty movements on my head And I just looked at it. I kind of rolled my eyes. And then I imagined pushing my bubble out further. And as I did that, the whole thing went poof and it disappeared from the screen. So it gave me really visual validation that my own protective shield and my own energy field is stronger than anything else that's out there. um, And that I can keep myself safe in situations like that. And I think that's something that's important to remember You know, we're the ones with the physical human bodies. Our energy field is stronger than anything else that's out there um, as long as we command that only light and love is allowed in our space and that we, um, you know, stay at that high vibration. Yeah, that makes sense. Again, I think the other thing is if you're going to be doing this kind of work, and a lot of people are, have been doing it for a while, or some are neophytes to it, but you don't want to do this when you're not feeling physically well, right? Right. Because that could be and a big or, problem. Or drinking. We don't allow any drinking or anything else, any substances in our investigations because that can weaken your aura, that can weaken your ability to keep yourself and your energy field safe. Definitely. It does. It does. And I, I know that's some of the the sadness that has been communicated from some of the Native American elders about passing their mm-hmm. wisdom on to the younger generations. It's unfortunately a lot have been taken over by alcohol and or drugs and it has created a situation where their their energy field can't hold the wisdom. Can't hold it. So oh. it's it's really a, a great loss that way. So it's really great that you put up that kind of a boundary and, and you're saying nobody can join if you're gonna do that kind of thing. The, uh, when you're talking about the uh, Indian al- element of things, when it was uh, inborn and things would be automatically known and they were passed down from elders to the youngers, and at this point in time, do you ever wonder what created the bridge to make them allow that to be let go of to deal with the substance that's offered to them instead? It's almost like they had to make a trade what they knew for what they could feel? Well, so I work with an astrologer on a regular basis. We do joint readings together, and I've learned so much about the different vibrations of things working with her. And um, I think that, you know, one of the things that we see often in our practice is that people who have an influx of spiritual energy, there's a high vibration and a low vibration of everything that is. And so, you know, you can use the astrology chart to show you what the two options are, but then it's up to you to choose the high vibration or the low vibration. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you have an influx of spiritual energy based on your signs in your chart and different things like that or or different cycles of spiritual upgrades that can come in at different times in your life, there's always kind of a choice. Either you're going to embrace that spiritual energy and seek the high vibrational route of that, or 
the spiritual energy is too much and you choose to do the escapist route and the numbing and that's the actual spirit. <laughs> so you can choose spirit with the high vibration mm-hmm. or spirit, which is the escapist route. So um, I think that, you know, I, it, it's uh, an incredibly sensitive population. You're talking about um, a, a people that was in tune to the earth and very advanced in their spiritual knowledge. And when you have that taken away that um, there's, I think there's so many layers to that <laughs> that question. Well, there are. I think you have, also really have to have a, a certain amount of focus. I mean, you have to have focus. and Because if you're going to be dealing with other dimensions, you're going to be walking into other dimensions. Mm-hmm. You better learn how to focus so you can find your way out. And I think that's a, a definite, definite skill that needs to be learned to do the kind of work you do. And when you're talking about a culture where all of that was taken away, everything that they knew was taken away, that doesn't leave them with much, and that's just one more of the tragic outcomes of what's happened with with all of that. Yeah, and it's all choice. It really is. It's total choice. Sometimes we're backed into a wall where the choices seem impossible. But if we take a look at, well, you deal with the astrology or deal with the numbers as I do, every year is different. It gives us something more to work with. But knowing who we are and what we can put out there or learn from or work with will make a total difference of how each one of us handles that very same year or that very same day. Yeah, I think self-knowledge is is so important, especially doing, again, this type of work. Uh, as as you're doing, Natalie, as a psychic medium, it's self-knowledge, knowing who you are, knowing what your limits are, knowing what you want to do, knowing what what you have to do in order to help other people and keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. All of those things are critical. It's not that easy. You know, some people may think, oh, this is just such such an easy thing to do. It really isn't. The work that you do oh, it is requires a lot of sure. a lot of energy, a lot of focus in the right direction. And they say there's no free lunch. That's one of the things they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Oh, just gracious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to manage. And and also, you're managing, uh, again, more than one, one energy field. You're managing more than one dimension. And it's, you know, how do you, oh, here's a question that just came in on a text. How do you turn it off? Do you turn it off? <laughs> um I do. I actually turn it off all the time. I think that's actually something when people meet me, they, they get worried that I'm reading them or or knowing all their deepest, darkest secrets. But it's actually when I'm doing a reading for someone else or even tuning into a house's energy, I have to tap into a higher vibration. And it's a very specific process where I turn everything on. I think I don't think I'd be able to function if I had to walk around in Walmart getting everything else's everything else everyone else's energy on all the different things so um, I am very protected naturally I work very closely with my guides and angels to keep myself safe Um, to almost to my detriment actually I had a a spirit followed a ghost follow me home from the Palmer house one time and I didn't even notice (laughs) Um, because I was so locked in my field and I 
I work really hard to lock in my house and keep my house safe. So I know that if my guides or my protective system let something in, it's because it needed help and it's, um, it's uh, something for me to work and, and cross over. And uh, mm-hmm. this, I had come home from a Palmer house weekend and, and my son was sitting on his, uh, in a, on his floor picking out a book from his bookshelf and he came up to me and he said, mom, something just poked me. Um, I think something poked me and I, I had this oh no moment where I stopped for a second and I kind of thought, oh gosh, what came home with me? And I waited till all the kids were gone at school and I did a scan and I tuned into the energies and it actually turned out to be two little um, kids from the Palmer house that had followed me home. One was a Native American boy and the other was a pioneer girl and she looked like she fell out of the Laura Ingalls Wilder books um, she had the plated hair and the calico dress and and they had died at the same time in the flu pandemic or some disease that had swept through the area back in the days that it, the town had been settled. And um, they didn't know each other in life at all, but they died at the same time. So they chose to stay together and they were the very best of friends in their afterlife and they just didn't know where to go. So I... Um, called in a couple of my helper guides and uh, they took them off and crossed them over. So, yeah, so it it had a happy ending, but it was a a good lesson to me that sometimes I am so protected that I don't always know what's happening in my own house. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who is your major guide that you use to to work with? Um, So I have Two special helpers. I actually call them my dead crew. <laughs> um, one <laughs> <Okay>. is <laughs> one is a woman that I went to high school with. Um, she passed away a few years ago. She's actually the first person that I ever crossed over um, in this work. Um, she showed up to me after she died, and I helped her get to where she was supposed to go. And then she started just coming back to help me with. Um, she especially helps me with children. Um, the other is another friend from high school. Actually, he was my husband's best friend. My husband and I went to high school together, and we never dated or anything in high school, but a year after we graduated from college, his best friend was murdered during a break-in, and um, so we met again at the funeral, which now looking back I know was very serendipitous, and there's a lot of signs and synchronicities that went into that um, and so we ended up dating after his funeral, and we got engaged one year later on the anniversary of his death so that the day would stand for something good, too. And I have often felt him around. Even before I was calling myself psychic, I could kind of feel when he was around. And he especially likes our middle child, and I felt like he would go stand under the tree when he would climb trees when he was younger so he's always been kind of a protective presence. So the two of them together often come back and help me with um, with spirits if I need help crossing over ghosts. Was his murder ever solved? No, it wasn't. And he wasn't no, able was to give you in. information on that? No, and I don't think he 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 was beyond a point where he needed that. Um, that wasn't important for his resolution or his story in any way mm-hmm. um believe me i my mystery writer brain was all over that and actually that's the story that inspired my first fictional book was his story mm-hmm. um so it 
served my served my creative purpose and and I would love to rewrite it so that it gets solved. <laughs> May I ask um, what happened? Yes, he was um it was a year after college and he was living in a house in Minneapolis in not such a great part of town and he was in grad school at the time and he was living in a house with a bunch of guys and uh his room was in the basement and in the middle of the night there was a break in through the kitchen and I what the what they think happened was that he thought maybe one of his roommates got locked out so he went up to the kitchen to see what was going on and it turned out to be an intruder with a gun who shot him and then left without taking anything and he um died with the phone in his hand calling for help so i I think they pronounced him dead on the way to the hospital but yes so it was it was a very tragic time um back when there was a lot of gang violence anonymous an anonymous type of thing yeah the people that you work with, do many of those that have passed, were they aware of the time that it was their time to leave, or were they equally surprised as the families <laughs> behind were? Not always. I have helped. There have been a couple of ghosts that I've helped that didn't even know they had died. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of work at the at Four Paws restaurant, which is a very um, – famous restaurant in St. Paul that's closed now, but at the time there, there are just some really great ghost stories from that place. And uh, we were in the kitchen, we were going through on something, we were working on an event or something like that. And there was a, there was an energy in the basement and their, their kitchen is in the basement. So that's kind of the energy center of their house is down in the basement. And that kitchen serves the whole restaurant that's been recreated out of this house. And, um, it's a, just to give the backstory, it was a home that was built in the early 1900s by a very wealthy St. Paul family. And there's a lot of rumor and mystery and intrigue about it. So I, if you're interested in all of that, I would encourage you to Google Four Paws Restaurant and you'll find all the ghost stories. But there was a ghost down in the kitchen and I walked into this corner of the kitchen and I just wanted to throw my hands up in the air and walk back in circles and, and pace back and forth and all the things. And and I said, why, I asked one of the managers, why do I want to throw my arms around when I'm in this space? And she said, you know, that's exactly what the cook who works there, that's what he's like all the time is this frantic energy. And when I stopped to tune into the space, there was actually a woman who had been killed crossing the street right outside the building. Um, she'd been crossed by, she'd been crossing the street and been killed by a, a runaway wagon or some such and she'd been so busy in her day that she hadn't even realized she died and she just got back up and kept going about her day as if nothing had ever happened to her body and so here she was in this like frantic energy that she'd been trapped in for over a hundred years flailing her arms about going back and forth and I remember having to kind of yell at her and say (laughs) you know it's really it's actually kind of hard to have to tell a ghost that they're dead (laughs) And um, yeah, attention, <laughs> and and I don't even think I used those words. Just I was trying to get her eyes to fix on me, and her eyes were just going back and forth. And she was just this frantic energy. And I finally got her to slow down enough to be able to help her get to where she was supposed to go. But that was, uh, yeah, it was a moment where she just had been going about such a busy day that she didn't even realize that she died. And I think that can happen if you're taken tragically like that in a, in a quick moment where you don't that see it coming. Sense. Yeah. 
especially somebody like that who's just going to, she had a busy life, and so she just kept going to the next thing, yeah. the next thing. Wow. Yeah. So you had to get her attention. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it takes more work than people realize to do what you do. Now, do you do private readings for people over the phone I and do. Skype and things like that? Yeah, I do virtual readings, and I work a couple of days a week with an astrologer. Um, we offer joint psychic astrology readings together, and that's something we actually found out that we do well accidentally. <laughs> um, we happen to both be out at a restaurant one night, with some friends, and as often happens when you're out with an astrologer, someone at the table will inevitably ask, what's going on in my chart right now? So she pulled up the chart, and as she started explaining some things that were happening in this person's chart, my gift clicked on, and everything started to download, and so I actually was getting downloads of information about what that meant for that person, and we both kind of looked at each other, and it's funny we both come from lawyer backgrounds she was a paralegal for a number of years and got into astrology and and when we started putting our our paths together there were a lot of interesting synchronicities and and so we looked at each other and thought this is really cool so we did a few test readings together with some clients to see what we would need in terms of time and and uh so we worked together two days a week and that's just been I've learned so much from working with her. I didn't know anything about astrology before I started and, and, and just having that understanding of what your chart is doing or, or, you know, she worked from the concept that the moment you took your first breath, whatever the stars were doing in the sky sets your blueprint for your life and your struggles and your soul contracts. And so when we work together, we just add a whole different layer of validation to each other's work. And it's just a lot of fun. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. So how do people get a hold of you? <laughs> well, you can find me on my website, which is nataliefowler.com. And a lot of the stories that I've shared in my in my Night Tonight are in, actually in my book, The Spirit's Way Home, which is available through Llewellyn Publications. And you can find it anywhere on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Um, so, Yeah. Good, because I know people have been texting me saying, how do I get older, Natalie? So I want to make sure to ask you. <laughs> so uh, what do you what do you see for yourself going forward? Because as you've mentioned and we've mentioned, veil's getting thinner. People are becoming, yeah. some people, not all, but some people are becoming more sensitive. And so so what, as a, as a psychic medium, what do you see going forward for all of us when it comes to these dimensions? You know, so much of my work is about trying to take the fear out of this stuff um, and just approach it from a more analytical point of view. So I will always keep doing that. Um, You know, in the mainstream, so much of the ghost hunting is so scary all the time, and it doesn't have to be. I think there's a lot of um, misunderstood ghost energies out there, and those are the stories that I always want to be able to share. So I will never stop looking for those stories um i'm working on some fiction work right now i I never did get those mystery novels published so that's a dream of mine to go back and do that someday um but uh you know i think so much of my work is also about teaching parents of children who are really sensitive and psychic how do you teach kids to navigate these energies from a place that's not of fear and uh, how do we move some of this to the next level? And part of that is, like you said, talking about the different dimensions and and 
kind of setting a framework for how, how do we navigate this? <laughs> There's a lot of information coming in. How do we start to break it down? And, and I uh, think that, you know, what you talked about in the beginning of the show with the opportunities this year and this year being one for a lot of change and, and it's really a time of manifesting too. I think that um, it's important for all of us to keep our thoughts as positive as we can. I think we're going to start to see a divide where, people who are following a higher vibrational spiritual path are going to be, you know, finding a lot of abundance in that. And anyone who is stuck in more of a negative fear-based victim mentality, those kinds of energies is going, are, are what those people are going to draw. So it's really important right now to stay positive and stay focused on the future. And, um, well, stay focused on just our own spiritual development and growth in this so that we can navigate these energies. Well, that makes sense. Now, where is, does your husband stand in all of this? Is he very supportive? <laughs> or does he kind of sit back um, and scratch his head and go, I don't know what she's talking about? I, I would say he's definitely more of the sit back and scratch your head, although, like I said, this happens slowly over time, so he's had a chance to kind of evolve alongside, even <laughs> if he doesn't always understand it. Um, Called force but, <laughs> He, earlier this year, he finally started calling it my sorcery. What does your sorcery say about this? What does your sorcery say about that? It's, and, and it was just really sweet because I think he's tried to understand me for a while, and he finally had a word to use that could that fit for him. So, but he is, um, you know, he it's there's a lot out there. So much of what I do now, you can't deny it, and um, there's there's a lot of evidence out there to support this work uh, a colleague of mine likes to say that if you know if you took all this paranormal evidence and added it uh, and presented it in a court of law you'd be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that we're interacting with something so the next question becomes what do you actually do about that and um, my husband has been up to the Palmer house and had experiences there so that's made him a little bit more of a believer than he ever was before and um yeah, so he's he's been supportive. <laughs> doesn't he? He doesn't always understand what what I'm doing, but he's always been supportive. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yes. Gee, that's great. Now, is he a lawyer as well? Oh no, he's a sales guy. <laughs> he's a salesman he's a through and through. He's a salesman. Um, salesman through and through. Very, okay. Yeah, he's a very extroverted personality. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. That is so funny. Gosh, yeah, I, we've had a lot of couples on the show and also individuals where the the spouse is supportive sometimes and then other times exactly the opposite. So <laughs> I always we always like to to find out because it's it's not an easy road when nope. you have no. a gift sure. and your your partner doesn't get it or just no, doesn't have we, their own. We met under such extenuating circumstances with the loss of his friend and. I think that puts you, you know, you start off from a place of, okay, we're going to do this together. We can't, <laughs> we're going to keep trying to make this, this work, even if I'm not totally understanding what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it boils down, you don't know totally what he's doing either. So that way it's <laughs> yeah. a sharing, right? Right. I'm, I'm a much more introverted personality. I do not understand salesmen at all. <laughs> That's a special personality. To that too, I'm sure. That. Right. <laughs> Very special. That's so interesting. Goodness me. So 
your children, they all have this gift to some degree, you have discovered. Yep. Any one child that stands out more than the other when it comes to the psychic mediumship? <laughs> well, they're all um, very different. They're very different with their gifts. Um, my oldest is uh, very intuitive. He's he's an old soul. Um, he's probably the most like me in that he and he's just an old soul that understands. He's an observer, um, and he just mm-hmm. understands things from a completely different level. My middle son is my star seed. Um, he's more of uh, an alien energy. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. had lives on other planets, if, if um, you're familiar with the word, the term star seed. But he just brings oh, yeah. a, a complete understand, a, a different perspective of life, just because he's got such a different foundation. Um, he's he's the one I was telling stories about with his um, needing the psychic protection and being able to cross over the ghost a few years ago. And then my daughter is also a very old soul. We have a very strong past life connection. Um, She's my spicy child. (laughs) Um, She's an old soul that has a hard time sometimes relating to her peer group. I was telling you before the show started, she's actually a figure skater and we found that that's just a perfect outlet for her energy. It's something she can go do that doesn't define her by her age. So um, she's, yeah, she and I, though, I think our lives go way back. And I don't think that I was the mother in, in our past life. <laughs> I think she was probably my big sister or something because she really, oh. I've had to parent her very differently. <laughs> Is that yeah. so interesting? Goodness. Yeah, she doesn't like to be told what to do. <laughs> She does oh, she's a female. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's my spicy child. Now, um, Natalie, what about animals? Do you, when you do readings and and you go to to different places to sense energy, do you ever pick up on people's pets or other animals that are in the Absolutely. area? Absolutely, and you know, one of the most common things that I've been picking up on lately is when is how our pets can follow us from one lifetime to another, which just makes my heart so happy. Um, I first saw this in my own. I have a dog right now that I think I'm certain used to be my cat. (laughs) Wow. Um, So when I lost that cat, it was very comforting to know that I got to see her again now as a dog. So I, and I've been finding that a lot with clients that are really grieving the loss of a pet to reassure them that this is a pet that's been following them through lifetimes and there's a really good chance that they'll still get to see that pet in a different form again in this life, which is just so um, reassuring for people. That really is comforting to know, yeah, because you know how people who love their animals, which, again, I think our entire audience as well as us, we are all animal lovers here. And, of course, loss of, of any pet is devastating because when you love animals, they are like your children, or yes. maybe even more. We certainly know they can mean more than your husband. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so it's uh, it is very very difficult when when they leave and they they don't have usually very long lives. I mean, we outlive them normally. So it's nice to know that you're communicating with them and and you can see them deciding to come back and, and offer companionship yet again. Yes. 
But then I go back to what we were just discussing earlier about people who do bad things, like to animals, which is so unconscionable. And, I, you know, I know a lot of people say, I have a hard time believing there isn't a special hell for people that do that. <laughs> but you're saying that there isn't a hell, really. It's just well, I, different levels of, of consciousness. That doesn't mean that those choices in your in your life don't come with consequences. <laughs> um, if you're not learning lessons that you're supposed to learn in this life, that just I think, and and we can see that in the astrological charts that you come in with a lot more baggage to learn. <laughs> you come in with a lot more soul contracts to fulfill if you've made those choices, um, if you've made poor choices in a past life, or if you've if you've had those. Uh, you know, I, I just because there isn't a special place in hell for those people doesn't mean that those actions do not come with consequences of some kind. Mhm. Well, I think everybody would be happy to hear that <laughs> <laughs> because it is, you know, it's a bit of a challenge to think about that, that of anybody, you know, who hurts a, a, an innocent. Uh, that is then, oh, they're free to go on to heaven. It, it just doesn't add up in the framework. No, it doesn't. Absolutely. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's not that, you know, we all want to see them, you know, be punished and burn in hell and all that, but but at the same time, it's not like we can embrace yeah. the thought that they're just going to ascend. Right. Right. I think that's exactly it is are you going to ascend or are you going to have to come back and do it all again? <laughs> and maybe uh, with more hardship, <laughs> which or doesn't the really feel like what you gave out. Yeah. In some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So again, that's, it's a question that we've, we've discussed uh, a lot on the show is, is what are the consequences? What does somebody face when they do those, those kinds of things? So I don't know. I mean, I've I've never encountered anybody on the other side who's been that evil as a human being. Have you? Um, not to my knowledge. <laughs> um, no, and I try to say, yeah, no, I. Um, there there have been some very troubled souls that I've helped, but like I said, I I that it, that doesn't mean that they need to be stuck here in this energy either. So, you know, I see my job as more getting them, clearing them from this realm and helping them get to whatever is supposed to come next <laughs> for them um, so that they can continue on that ascension process. That doesn't necessarily mean going down to a hellish place, but it does mean that their soul needs to keep trying to ascend in whatever way, shape, or form that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Now, as you are working with people in in concert with your your partner with the astrology, and you do the mediumship yep. and, and psychic work, what do you think? Or what do you see are the greatest stumbling blocks for people today? Because obviously, we're in a different place in a different time. What do you see gets in people's way more than anything else? Oh, I just think anytime you're choosing those lower vibrational paths where you're stuck in fear or stuck in um, those negative thinking patterns, that can really weigh people down. And I, I, I think that we're coming into a time and energy shift where that's going to be even harder 
So um, the faster people shift to a more positive outlook on things and a higher vibration, um, the, the better it is for everyone. I, we've seen that a lot in our practice over the last year, actually. And, and again, most of the people coming, choosing to listen to these shows or going um, to see a healer of some kind, they're on a spiritual path where they're working to raise their vibrations. So the way we've seen last year play out, it's actually been a really beautiful year um, with our clients coming through our office. A lot of clients are realizing that they weren't on a good path before. And one of the effects of the pandemic, it kind of shook them awake and made them realize I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And now I've got the courage because of these circumstances to go do what I should have been doing all along. Um, maybe getting laid off actually turned out to be a good thing because it gave someone the courage finally to leave a job that they didn't really like and go look for something that maybe is fulfilling their soul in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really did force a lot of things on us, This the circumstances of this year. And, no, it wasn't all bad. It was, uh, I think, a lot of unexpected situations. Yeah. That, that and I think our world surprise. has changed tremendously at this point in time because I feel once this is over, we're going to see a lot more people still working from home and being able to do things in that fashion that we don't have to waste the energy to get from one place to another, waste gas and all that other additional things for the environment. I think we'll find exactly. that better. Exactly. They've learned that they can achieve a better work-life balance by by working from home a few days a week or whatever that looks like. And, and employers have learned that they don't need a staff in person the entire time. They actually can function in a different way. So I think we're going to see a lot of evolution in the workforce and the way things are, our systems are breaking down and we're going to get to rebuild them in a really good way. One more question about, some of the things you encounter when you uh, speak with people from the other side or other dimensions. Do you ever encounter alien life when you are doing readings <laughs> for people or when you're doing clearings? Yes. <laughs> um, I actually have an alien guide that works with me. <laughs> and oh, I can't fun. believe I'm admitting this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever <laughs> shared that with anyone before. But, um, oh. yes, I think – by being open to other realms and dimensions, we're actually finding that we have helpers there. And, and one of the things for me, um, I have a guide that shows up specifically to help me with different energy configurations. And when I go in to clear a house, I don't, I don't see energy grids the way some energy workers can see the actual energy grids. But I have a guide that tells me what I need to do. And a lot of times it's visualizations and things that I never would have been able to make up if, or come up with if I tried. So I've learned to trust whatever he's telling me, and that helps rebalance an energetic structure in the house. So, yes, I think that um, we're going to see that more and more. Um, you know, even, even just having a conversation about star seeds and understanding that we can have past lives that didn't come from this planet. So I, I, we see that a lot in our work. Um, there's a lot of uh, of people who have had lives on other planets that are specifically incarnating here now in this time to help us. And I, I, I see that a lot of kids, actually. A lot of my clients who have psychically sensitive children have starseed children who've had lives on other planets and are having a really hard time with some of these Earth-heavy vibrational energies right now. 
Yeah, we can understand that. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yes. That's, it's a bit of a <laughs> challenge, okay. that's for sure. Goodness. So I just want to, again, mention your book, which is lovely, The Spirit's Way Home, Inspiring Stories from a Psychic Medium, and this is by our guest, Natalie Fowler. And you can find Natalie on her website, and your website address is? NatalieFowler.com. And that's F-O-W-L-E-R.com. And thank you. Thank you so much for just a delightful conversation this evening. This is a wonderful. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for having me on. It was lovely to talk to you. Oh, we've enjoyed well, it very much. <laughs> yes, and, and keep us posted on, on your next exploits and your next book and, and all of those kinds of things so we can keep in touch and have you back. So thanks again so much, Natalie. And I, I just want to mention to everybody, again, next week we will be back with another exciting show. We're going to go full bore alien uh, for a couple of shows, actually. The first one we're going to be doing is on a whole catalog of alien species. We're going to have an expert who has written a book about that next week. And we want to wish everybody... A very happy, healthy new year with all kinds of blessings and grace coming your way. It's it's just been wonderful. Uh, PK and I have just enjoyed being the hosts here for so many years. And we're so grateful to everybody. Did you want to say something, PK? No, I said we're very fortunate that we've been able to connect with the people that we have and to share this information with everyone how lucky we are we're getting it coming and going which is perfect i know it's great and we've got wonderful guests like natalie every single week and a terrific audience as well and again we're so happy that you come back and listen every week and god bless you we wish you all the best and happy new year we'll be back next week and until then we will see you on the blue highway good night everyone Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls.